right, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's just, let's just do it. All right, let's. <laughs> All right, so this this one's gonna be fun. Um, I think there's a lot of myths out there, and we want to bust a lot of them. And we got a lot of chatter about this one on social media. So I think uh, we have a lot of good content. We're gonna go over here. Oh, I'm so so ready. You know what? I, you know what I'm actually upset about that we didn't even try. Um, is get those. I don't know their. I don't remember their name, but the MythBusters. Uh, those two guys. Like we didn't even try reaching out to them. Be like, hey, want to just like pop in on our podcast just for fun? Oh, just uh, for like, shits and giggles. Adam and Jamie. Thank you. I'm like I knew I, one with Jamie, but I couldn't remember the other one. Jamie's the one that died. Oh wait, wait, what? I heard yeah. about it. And I completely forgot about it. No. Yeah, Jamie, the one with the mustache, he died, and now uh, Adam does another show that's like MythBusters Junior, where little kids are doing myths and busting them in like science class type thing. Bro, that's ruined my whole day. I completely forgot about that, and I was better <laughs> off not remembering Oops. that. <laughs> my bad. Well, no, let's I... turn it around and talk about fun stuff. Yeah, let's, let's go the fun stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, where do you want to start with gym myths? There's, there's so much of this stuff on the internet. I, where do you want to start with this? I feel like we should just like, I don't want to say disclaimer, but like just kind of prepare people like how not to like fall for them. Like, I don't know. It's just like you, really all I can say is do your research before you like when you hear something that either doesn't make sense or you don't know if it makes sense or you don't know about it. Don't just blindly go after it and do it. Like do some research. Mm-hmm ask someone that's in the field that whether like it's whether it's an honest opinion or um like just just do your research before you try something new because sometimes like some things make sense sometimes other things do not make sense and even sometimes even fitness like professionals still fall for some of the myths because they don't know enough about it so do your research. well it's it's a give and a take because a lot of these myths have a very small sliver of truth that they dive into. So they dive into this small truth that's, it could be, uh, say, I don't know, relevant for like 5% of the population, and they dive into it and then generalize it for everybody and promote the hell out of it, pay a marketing team to make sure everybody hears about it, and it really doesn't work for everybody. Exactly. Like... Honestly, like when I'm thinking of like myths, I'm thinking of like those old, um, like you know how like your parents would tell you like these little white lies to get you to do what they want, or um, <laughs> kind of like stuff like either you should avoid doing just to keep either make their lives easier or something like that. That's that's what I think of when it comes to like fitness myths, like the same general idea. Either um, companies want you to fall for their product, or um, they want you to focus more on a different type of training so that way you mm-hmm. are more likely to go to them for either advice or products or whatever. So that's what I'm thinking of when it comes to that. So please don't fall for it. <laughs> yeah. Just giving them money. Uh, I will say well, this. We'll just start off with this one here um, that the origins of toning muscle is all marketing. This the toning doesn't actually exist. You're either building muscle or you're not. And if you're not building muscle, you are burning fat because your energy levels should be higher than your energy consumed. So you're not toning by doing low weight, high reps. It's not a thing. 
it, it frustrates me so much when people tell me what their goals are and it's just, oh, well, I just want to tone up a little. That, that doesn't exist. We yeah. need to stop, stop saying toning. <laughs> Everybody, please. It drives me insane. See, here's the funny thing about it. Like, if you, if you, <laughs> like, if you ask any person, like, if whether they're in fitness or not in fitness, like, just ask them what the definition of toning is. Like, the word by itself, nobody has an answer. Like, no matter who you talk to, there's no answer for the word toning, unless mm-hmm. there's an actual definition that I don't know. But, um, like, if you just like when you like you said, like, I just want to tone up my muscles, like, and then you just ask them, like, what does that mean? Because I know what you mean, but if I ask you personally what that means and you look at me with a <laughs> blank face, that means you don't know what you mean. So you're just using a term that is just spreading misinformation. So, like, yeah. have a specific goal in mind of what exactly you want, whether you want to gain weight, slim down, burn fat, whatever it is. Like, that's that's how you get better. Like, you don't just accept words for what they are and just go by that. Like, you get smarter by doing the research and doing the things you need to do to get there. Right. And my favorite response to well, what do you mean by toning is I don't want to get too bulky. Oh, All right, listen, everybody that is listening to this podcast, I have been on a mission to get too bulky <laughs> for the last, I don't know, 10 years still haven't gotten there. So if you walk up to me and tell me you want to be toned within six months, but you don't want to lift a lot of weight cause you don't want to get too bulky. If you get to that point of getting too bulky, hats off to you. You are a genetic freak. Yeah. You won't get there. I promise you. I am actively trying every day and still cannot. <laughs> yeah. I will say that there are some people that have, like, and like you said, genetic freaks. Like some people are more disposed to gaining muscle than others. But like there's a lot of factors yeah. that go into it. Like most of it is actually a diet. Like you can live all the ways in the world. But if you don't eat the right amount of calories in order to support that goal, you're not going to gain that much weight. You might gain a little bit of weight, but you probably won't gain that much more muscle mass. It's going to take mm-hmm. an insane amount of calories. Like when you look at, like, for example, The Rock or like any other massive bodybuilder, they're eating, I think, what, like a certain number, like 10,000 calories a day? Something um, insane like that. Yeah. But when you also look at the same deal with when it comes to, well, this is counter arguing but myself, but like, for example, Michael Phelps, not a big guy. I mean, for sure he's tall as ever eating 10,000 calories but he's not lifting a bunch of weight so like it really comes down to just properly eating and lifting so like even if you don't lift weight you're not going to bulk up but if you do lift weights you may not bulk up unless you eat the right amount of calories so Mm -hmm. it really comes down to energy consumption and training like those are two big portions when it comes down to um, bulking up yeah and just to you know for argument's sake there is a different training style so if you're going to be doing heavy weights for low reps that is more strength training so that's training your central nervous system whereas if you're doing more of a bodybuilding bodybuilding style of training which is considered kind of that toning quote-unquote style of training your muscles aren't going to i guess adapt to that strength as much as if you were strength training so they won't grow as fast, but because you're training more of a hypertrophy style, depending on your weight, they will still get bigger. I, I don't know. Like I think I think I'm what not, you're saying. I'm not a like, scientist, but that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, like I would say, like the whole like hypertrophy training. It's more about like it. So when it comes down to strength, like strength is like again like the heavy weights, like towards your maximum strength. 
and lower reps. You really won't get much bigger from that type of training. But when you go mm-hmm. along with what you said with the hypertrophy training, it's not exactly maximum strength. It's more toward that, like, um, if I would give you percentages, it's more like somewhere between 60 to like 80% of your max strength. And you're doing more reps of this, somewhere between the rep count of like, I don't know, I think it's eight and 12 is the popular answer. Mm-hmm. And that is the rep count you want to be going toward. And you have to be doing that on a regular basis in order to have that adaptation that you were talking about for the muscle growth to kick in. But again, right. it that's just a different type of training you could do. What is that noise, bro? Uh, that's an open window in a car just oh. drove by. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, but there's like another type of training where it comes down to like you could do endurance, more, more endurance for muscle endurance training. You could do lighter weights for a lot of reps. You won't get any bigger at all from that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've never done weightlifting at all, yes, you'll get a little bit bigger because the more you work in muscles, the typically the bigger they'll get. Especially if you have like ground zero, have never touched a weight before, you will more than likely grow no matter what. So it kind of depends on right. where you are and where your training is currently at compared to a brand new person. So everyone's different, everyone responds to t- stimulus differently. So Again, some people will, like you said, genetic freeze. They'll get a lot bigger very quickly, very fast. Other people, it may take a little bit more work. So, again, myths don't apply to everybody. Right. And while we're actually talking about energy in versus energy out, I want to talk, bring up another myth. I guess I shouldn't call this a myth because it is true, but it is not a good idea. And that's the 1,200-calorie diet. I've seen it around the internet for a while that, you know, if you just eat 1200 calories a day that you're going to lose weight. Yes, that's true. You're going to lose weight because that's what you need to survive. And if you're not eating that 1200 calories, then, then you get into more malnutrition and even worse things. But if you're eating 1200 calories of garbage, it's not going to do any good for you. And you're going to lose not only yes, you're going to lose fat because hopefully you're burning more than that 1,200 calories a day. If not, you're probably in a coma. But if you have that muscle on your body, that muscle is actively burning energy all day long. So why not flip that a little bit? Why not add a little bit more muscle so that way you can burn more energy doing nothing? If you add a pound of muscle to your body, that could burn up to another, I don't know, 25 to 50 calories a day, depending on your size, just for existing. But if you drop down to that 1,200 calorie mark or goal or whatever, then you're going to lose that muscle because that muscle is very energy, um, very energy costly. So to hold that muscle on your body is going to take up more calories your body's going to start to shut that down and get rid of that because all those calories need to go to making sure your brain's firing to your heart beating, making sure your liver is still kicking. Like it's going to prioritize those calories to things that are absolutely vital to your survival. Exactly. Like when you think about your, I think the proper term is basal metabolic rate. Um, and that is in simple terms, your resting metabolic mm-hmm. rate. So like Brett said, when you're doing nothing, you're burning calories because your body's doing the absolute minimum to just survive. So your brain's working, your heart's pumping, your lungs are working, everything your body is currently running, and that costs energy. So mm-hmm. if you look at it for the average 2,000 um, 
2000 calorie diet, I believe it's like 80% of the calories you burn. It's just you doing nothing. Like if you did absolutely nothing, 80% of the calories you burn throughout the day, it's just your body functioning. And then the other 20% is you moving. So if you were to cut that down from 2000 calories to 1200, obviously you could do the math. That's not a good number um, (laughs) because your body needs to function. Cause like, I think, was it like when you call 80% of 2000 calories is, Oh, that's math. I don't want to do um, 1800 or something like that. 1800 calories. Just 16. 16? Okay. Thank you. I, I don't do math. Well, um, but yeah, 1600 calories just to have it, you function normally and you're cutting your calorie intake to 1200. Obviously something's not going to add up. You're going to lose something. You're going to have a lot of health problems if you do it long-term. Now, yeah. typically with diets, Diets are usually more kind of a couple weeks here, you stop and you go back to your normal day business, which we'll get into later. But for right now, just keeping in mind of that $1,200 or 1200 calorie diet, it is not a good idea to do long term. It's really not a good idea to do it all, but no. it is typically something people do for a short amount of time. And I will say I've definitely tried something along like this. I think I did like 1500 calories just to like prove cool. something wrong. Yeah, it was not a great time. It was a dumb decision. Now, did I, get the, did I get the results I wanted? Oh, yeah, it worked wonders. The problem was you gain that weight back as soon as you go back to your normal diet because your body is just going to take up all those uh, calories that it doesn't have to burn from you cutting out muscle and cutting out fat. It just puts it to good use and your body go back to normal. So the whole purpose of that diet is just to lose weight for like a temporary solution. And then as soon as you go back to your normal diet, you're going to gain all that weight back. So what's the point? Yeah, so. you're, you're losing all of that muscle mass in the time that you're only eating those 1,200 calories so that when you go back to eating normally, you don't have that muscle to burn it off. So it's going to be that much harder to build that muscle back for one. And then it's going to be that much harder to just get your metabolism up to where it normally was. Because your metabolism doesn't just – turn on and off. It's not a light switch. You can't just be like, okay, hey, body, we're going to get back into being normal again. That, that's not how it works. It's going to take weeks to come back from that. Exactly. And especially the older you get, the longer it takes for it to turn back up. And sometimes it doesn't even go back to where you were. Like when you think about it for our older um, dodgeball population, you guys notice that your metabolism isn't the same as when you were like 20, 22, 25 like mm-hmm. I've noticed my metabolism slowed down quite a bit since I was 22 and I'm only 25. So like, as you get older, that metabolism is going to play a real rough game with you. If you keep playing with it, if you're not going to like the way it, it comes <laughs> out. So you want to make sure you can keep that metabolism burning as high as it can for as long as you can, because one is going to be your friend for a long time. You'll be mm-hmm. able to function better. It'll help with your immune system better. It does. Your metabolism does so much for your body. And if you keep playing with it, you're going to have other long-term effects because you're just, you want to look slim for this event or you um, don't like the way you currently look, but you don't want to put in the actual correct uh, work in order to make it work. Yeah. What, what other myths you got lined up there? What have any, um, uh, I mean, if we're going to get into, I mean, if we're going with diets, we might as well just talk about fat diets because we'll just keep it going as, somewhat linear path but just <laughs> bad diets in general like just don't do them like and if you're gonna do them do some research because yeah okay so here here's my thing with diets the whole the whole point of a diet is to do it for a couple weeks and then stop and then you go back to your regular regular routine the mm-hmm. problem with that though is no matter what the diet is 
it's only it's always temporary and you're not making really any changes because all it's kind of like the whole take a pill like know that uh, stupid ad you get like take this pill you lose like 20 pounds in like a week <laughs> yeah and it's like the easy way out i mean granted it's diets are not easy but it's the easier way out rather than making the lifestyle change and that's kind of defeats the purpose of a diet because when you are trying to make a change for your body whether you want to lose weight whether you want to gain weight you want to gain muscle it's supposed to be a lifestyle shake it's not supposed to be a one and done um trip it's supposed yeah. to be a ongoing journey for the rest of your life i mean granted your goals may change from day to day or from years to years that's fine but as you change your goals you should make the necessary adjustments to your lifestyle to aid that goal so it shouldn't be a one and done temporary solution it should be a hike and you're right. going for the journey yeah and that's where you, the best diet you can do is one that you can stick to like so all of these like ketos um like gluten-free paleo what, whatever your flavor is it's if you can stick to it and it's something you enjoy you can regulate to be in a calorie surplus and a calorie deficit depending on your goals then by all means go for it but if you eliminate things from your diet i promise you that you will bounce back so i'm going to use i'm just going to use the keto one as an example the keto diet was developed for kids with epilepsy because it was shown to help reduce seizures. And this was back in like the, I want to say it's like the 1920s or 30s, somewhere around there that this, it was developed that they started seeing results from this. So there was started to do more research on it, found out that your body makes these ketones and all of the sciencey stuff. What it comes down to is you can burn fat, faster and you convert fat into sugar through a process in the body and if you're going to jump on that bandwagon that's fine but make sure that you are sticking to it to a t and that you've done research to it or done research for it because if you play with fire you're going to get burned if you eat your fats you stick to your fats become fat adapted are producing the ketones and going through gluconeogenesis, all that fun stuff, as soon as you throw carbs in there, your body switches right back because carbs are the preferred fuel source to your body. And then you got to go back those two weeks or whatever to get readapted to fat being your main fuel source. All of that yeah. being said, you, you can do it. I, I've done the keto diet. I, I do enjoy it. But... You need to know that if you are going to stop doing it, if you can't stick to it, it's going to end up hurting you more than it's helping you. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that because like it's one thing to kind of have like a one time like affair or not. I don't want to call it a fair, but kind of <laughs> like, a, like a one time to like cheat day. Like it's fine if you do that. I mean, granted, uh -huh. like what you said, it's not going to help, but it's if you can maintain it more long term, you'll be more successful. And that really regard kind of that they not theory that um mentality kind of applies to a lot of things but yeah. in regards to like the diet like again if you have a diet or have a lifestyle change and you cheat once it's not gonna really hurt you in the long run but if you kind of have those those mishaps keep happening on a regular basis then again you're not really making a change you're just 
doing the fat diet mentality where you're going to do it temporarily. And then I'm having like a one day or two days or three days and it actually comes up to being your normal routine again. So you got to make sure right. it's something you can, you can maintain, push through and just keep going with it. Yeah. And please, please, please do your research. I have had, and it's no fault to people that don't are not aware. I know that, you know, diving into this stuff is not, everybody's cup of tea that uh, if you are going to do keto, please do your research, understand what you need to do to get into a uh, ketosis state and understand your food choices. I have had somebody tell me that they were doing a keto diet, but were having cereal for breakfast. And it's, why did, who told you that that was okay for one and two why did you decide to do keto but think that cereal was a good option uh, just please do your research people yeah talk to, especially when it really any fat diet talk to, to a professional like especially if you have any specific health concerns or health concerns you don't even know about you try a fat diet that can really mess you up like in a yeah. really Way. like especially like for example um like my mom she had a lot of allergies that have just grown like the number of allergies had or the list of the allergies that she's had has grown over like the last four years mm -hmm. i mean she's a special case but if she were to try a fat diet and she didn't know about the allergies she has i wouldn't say she would die but she would get like really sick and have like a couple of stomach issues with that and yeah. for some people that those scenario could be way worse you could die from it because you don't know about the allergy that you have or mm -hmm. you could um have some extreme health benefits that are permanent or a very long term, or I don't know, like it, because we're young, we don't usually think about that, but <laughs> again, like playing with your body is like you, like what you Brett said, playing with fire, you get burned and you don't want to play like that because you can have serious health effects that can affect you for the rest of your life. Or, I mean, hopefully no one gets hurt from this, but again, just, do research, talk to someone that knows what they're doing. They'll give you the right advice, the right direction, and actually do what they say. Don't just be like, oh, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, know, I look at Google and all this other nonsense, and yeah. I can figure it out from here and out. Don't do that. That's, well, that's, that, that makes you want to bring up like people who say, oh, I don't need a trainer. I don't need a nutritionist. Like, I understand you don't absolutely have to, but if your car was broken, are you going to YouTube it? I mean, maybe if it was something easy, yeah. But eventually, it's going to get to a point where you need to take it to a mechanic. And if you don't know what you're doing, consult a professional. Do not just look on YouTube, search your favorite Instagram model, and look at their workouts and just think that you're going to be able to do everything they can do and not understand why you're not getting results and all that. Treat your body like it's a car. You need to go see somebody to get it looked at and cut out all of, I guess, the, the trial and error of it. We've done that for you. I've tried a bunch of stuff, <laughs> failed a lot, <laughs> and have learned what works and what doesn't. So mm -hmm. make, just consult somebody or even just ask a question. Shoot me a text. Shoot me a message. I don't care. I'll help you out because odds are I've probably tried it and – probably didn't do so hot for me if I don't talk yeah. about it all the time. <laughs> all right. I got three things to say about that. Um, first one is experimenting is all 
good and fun, but make sure you are experimenting with sound science or reason. Um, yeah. Like you said, talk to someone. Within like, reason. Yeah, within <laughs> reason. Because, like, again, like figuring out what works best for you, that only you could do that. Like a professional could give you the right idea, but, again, the professional doesn't know your body. So, like, if you listen to your body and actually take care of it, you technically know what's best for your body. So, mm-hmm. again, they can give you the right advice. They can make sure to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. But maybe keto doesn't work for you, but maybe the paleo diet does. Figure it out from there. Um, Actually, again, I have something to bring up with okay. that real quick. If okay, I, don't want, I don't want to disrupt your flow, but no, actually, no, okay. I, you're good. I had um, Steve reach out to me about a, he took some kind of food sensitivity. So it's one of those, you know, like swab your mouth, send it in and we'll tell you. Yep. He took one of those things and he sent me the results on it and wanted to know what, what my thought was on it. And it basically gave him a ketogenic diet. And, you know, I, I kind of talked to Steve about it and thought, what, what is your purpose or like, not purpose, what is your goal at the end of this? Like, what do you want to be better at and why about starting this and blah, blah, blah. And from what we talked about, he wanted to get better with performance training, you know, for dodgeball and that. So a ketogenic diet. Yes, you can work out and stuff on it. That's just fine. But in the long run, it's going to hinder, hinder, that's how you say it, your <laughs> athletic performance. Because if you don't have those fast-firing carbohydrates, you're not going to perform as well. You're going to be a little bit slower. And you're not going to be able to be as explosive with being fat adapted. Definitely, definitely agree with that because that's – all of dodgeball. I mean, even though, yes, like I remember listening to um, Jenny Hodges podcast with Brenda Kramer and Brenda mentioned that um, dodgeball is a mostly aerobic sport with anaerobic bursts. And to break that down for people that don't know what those two words means, aerobic is kind of like, um, I don't want to say lighter um, pace exercise, but kind of like slower pace, but you could do it for a longer period of time, kind of like jogging. Mm-hmm. And then the anaerobic bursts are very like um, low oxygen needing uh, requirements. So like, throwing sprinting like quick fast movements that don't require a lot of oxygen and require quick bursts mm-hmm. um so oh, i lost my train of thought where was i going with that Cards um, and performance thank you yeah so like dodgeball <laughs> thank you um dodgeball required all of that so you definitely need to have that in your system to make sure you're performing um at 100 percent capacity um right. so back to my original uh two points um i just want to add on with your um car analogy um get treat your body like a car but the difference is you if you mess up your car you can always get a new car both your body you can't get new body. <laughs> you only get once, one <laughs> yeah once you mess that up you're done so don't don't play with your body like that um yeah. and then the last point um which is actually kind of another myth in a way i mean kind of like a pseudo myth but when you said that um when you go look at your favorite instagram models on um instagram look at their exercise and everything not all Instagram models look the way they do. Like a lot of them, like it's all about the angle. Like when you come down to picture and posing and what they're doing. Yeah. A lot of them are in shape. They're very shaped. But the thing is when it comes to picture and you're trying to compare yourself to them, a lot of them do not look the way they look because it's all about lighting. It's all about angles and it's all about knowing how to pose. Um, because yeah. I know, like I know I have a couple friends of mine where they're, where they're, 
they're trying to be Instagram models or fitness um, uh, enthusiasts. And they're in great shape. When you look at them in person, you could tell they're they're jacked and ripped. But if they were to stop sucking in their stomach, they got a little baby bump. Everyone's got that. Um, and then when it comes down to the lighting and angles, like I remember watching this one girl do a um, kind of like a reality check when it comes to like taking pictures for women and doing like kind of those butt poses either on the sink or like kind of like that hip pose where they turn around and show a picture of their butt. And it Break comes down to exactly like it just comes down (laughs) it just comes down to just like it's not all what you think it is like it's it's not all possible like most of those angles are not humanly possible unless you get the perfect angle on it and it's gonna make Mm -hmm. you look really good but in reality it doesn't look as good as it does especially um when it comes down to cellulite especially if that's big on your mind um a lot of people a lot of people have cellulite no matter how fit you are some people have cellulite there's nothing you can do about that but if you have the angle it makes it look like you don't have it. So um, well, yeah, just keep that in mind. Just look at bodybuilding. The only reason why bodybuilders get spray tanned is because it creates more shadows and you look more jacked. So that's a sport that's dedicated to having very low body fat that still try to do more with their appearance and um, superficially than they actually focus on like building up muscle and cutting more fat like that that makes their muscles look better so if they're doing it in bodybuilding obviously people are doing it on instagram so take everything with a grain of salt and you don't know how many tries that took that person to get that one picture they could have took thousands of pictures and found that one so never compare yourself to anybody on instagram because they've put in hard work yes most of the time and <laughs> Now a lot of them are just running more of a maintenance style of working out. They they have already laid the foundation and don't need to do a lot of the beginning workouts that people that follow them need to do. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I know like there are people kind of like me where they're kind of that in between phase where you definitely look good, but you definitely know you could do a whole lot better. And it took me a long <laughs> it took me a long time <laughs> to kind of accept that because like I know when you look at like Instagram models, like it took a lot of work to get to where they're at. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, they're in their maintenance phase where some of us are still in that building phase and you're trying to compare yeah. yourself to someone that's already more or less at the top for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. So just focus on your journey. Yes. Like everyone's different. Don't, don't compare yourself to others. Like it's just a matter of, cause like the thing is if you compare yourself to others, especially if they're at a farther place than you, that really bums you out and it takes away yeah. your self-confidence. It, it kills your motivation and it affects you a lot mentally so don't mm-hmm. let that affect you at all right and that's kind of like what i don't remember what episode it was but a couple episodes back when i talked about a pace car make sure you set your pace car accurately if you're just starting to get working out and you follow like you said like the rock and that's who you want to be he's not your pace car he is many many pace cars away from that so set your pace car accurately or you're going to get discouraged yeah discouragement kills your motivation faster than anything else so don't mm-hmm. don't let that happen um yeah what else you want yeah. to get into um well since we i bounced off of instagrams uh models i can go off on <laughs> uh stepping um if anyone that uses a stairmaster um this is mostly talking to women because i've never seen a guy use a stairmaster for this specific reason um but if you are looking for a kind of a big butt and you think the stairmaster will do it 
I got bad news for you. It 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 don't do anything. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's like the biggest misconception about the stairmaster is that it's a cardio exercise. It is not designed to build muscle. It doesn't do anything for you other than challenge your cardiovascular muscles and work your leg endurance muscles. So it doesn't build anything. All if anything, it, if anything really, it takes away more than it builds. So it's not gonna give you that round bodacious booty that most women are looking for um if anything it's just because like so here's the thing with uh big butts i'll, I'll kind of just briefly talk about this if you want a big butt most of that's gonna be fat or implants because um if you're looking for that peak shape most of that's gonna be due to fast stores and then um a lot of it's just gonna be due to genetics but if you're kind of just looking for a kind of a, a nice perky butt you gotta work out you gotta build muscle you gotta basically do the thing that we've been telling everyone to do work out, build muscle, lift weights to get the butt you're thinking you want versus the yeah. round peach butt. Cause that's mostly fat or again, Instagram models who implanted stuff in their butt to make it look better. So <laughs> just yeah. keep that if, in mind. If your goal is to build your butt up, just do squats. It's going to be the best thing you can do. Squats, hip thrusts, even like sumo deadlifts, do, do those things. And then once you've built that up, and you don't think that your butt can get any stronger, then work on bringing your waist in. Do Doing ab exercises, working your um, TVA, and doing more of a, I guess, proportion style of working out. So don't, don't use the Stairmaster. I know everybody on Instagram I've seen does their lunges and stuff on there. Yeah, that's going to help, but... It, you need to build, like we talked about before, you need to build that muscle up. So it's going to take a calorie surplus, which you don't want to be doing a lot of cardio for because that's just going to take away from that surplus you're in. And when you're in a surplus, you want those calories going to building muscle. So build your muscle up first, and then you can worry about doing your Stairmaster lunges and <laughs> whatever kind of nonsense yeah. you're seeing on Instagram. Oh my god, it's, it was always funny. But um, the thing is, like, if you're in dodgeball and you're you have the goal of making your butt look bigger, if anything, that's just gonna make your <laughs> performance at dodgeball all, a whole lot harder. Because more real estate to hit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. But yeah, I mean, this is it's just pointless. Like the whole point of dodgeball is to be as small as possible, be as hard as hit to hit as possible. But if you're working your butt, one, you're making your body disproportionate, so it's not gonna be as efficient as it was before. Two, you're just making it yourself again a bigger part target to hit. So what's the point? Um, right. So yes. All right, uh, so what's next? <laughs> I would say that kind of wants me to. Whoa that that kind of makes me want to jump into like spot training and like, or I guess not spot training exactly, but like uh, targeting. Yeah, like trying to target certain areas of the body to lose fat in that you can't do it. Nope. Nope. It's so for men and women, you hold fat differently depending on your hormone levels. So it's actually there's different areas for men and women depending on your testosterone versus estrogen levels. And it actually, once you know the science behind it, it's kind of it's easy to point out when you walk down the street, which is really weird. But so men typically hold it in their stomach. Um, maybe their chest or their arms, where women are more hips, legs, and chest. So 
if you are trying to just burn belly fat, you're probably not going to do it. The best way to do that is get into your calorie surplus like we talked about. And Wait, when should be uh, deep or not? Oh, sorry, yeah. The uh, deficit. <laughs> deficit, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but so I'll, I'll speak to myself personally. Personally, when I put on fat, I, I put on no fat in my legs. And if I do put on fat in my legs, then I have a problem because <laughs> my body naturally doesn't want to store fat there. And that's telling me that everywhere else has enough fat on it. Now we're going to go to the lowest priority on this list. We're going to go legs. So <laughs> that tells me that there's a big issue. Oh, and if, or is it conversely to that? Is that the right word I'm looking for here? I think um, so. depends on where you're going with it. I, just like looking at it from the opposite side. Yeah. Conversely, um, yep. That will also be the first place that I lose that fat from because it's lowest, lowest priority. So the first place that you put on fat is going to be the last place you lose it. So for me, that's my stomach. I need to be in a calorie deficit for a long time if I want to really get nice looking abs and I want to um, make sure that they pop. So I'm not going to be sitting on the ground doing 100 crunches a day thinking that, oh, I'm going to have washboard abs soon because all that fat's going to burn away on my stomach. That's not how it works. There, there's, I, I guess, more or less levels to it. So your body's going to put on and take off the same way, if that makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense. I'm actually glad I heard someone else explain it because it's, it's not exactly how I explain it to people, but it's more or less the same because what I usually tell people is that your body will – evenly distribute or not evenly distribute but evenly burn fat across the body so like let's say mm -hmm. um you have heavy deposit spots in your stomach or your legs or your chest or wherever your primary concern and where you want to lose the weight mm -hmm. if that's usually like kind of the biggest area where most of your fat is stored again that's gonna be the last place you lose it because yep. it, again this is according to my theory i don't know the exact science behind it but if you burn fat it'll burn evenly across the body so if you have less fat in certain areas that'll be the first place you'll notice that's gone yeah but the heavier deposited area like for me specifically my midsection that's where all mm -hmm. my fat goes it doesn't go anywhere else which is really irritating because yep. if it did i would look so much better but no um <laughs> But because it's almostly all my midsection, it's the last place for it to go. So it's the last place that I'll notice that it'll be gone because it's going to be there until it's gone. So mm -hmm. I think it more or less, it's exactly the same way we're explaining. It. It's just different ways of going about it. So I'm glad I heard your way because it, it matches my theory. Yeah. So there's, I mean, also, if you want to make those muscles pop at a higher body fat percentage, then you need to really build up those muscles. So that's where you look at if you start strength training your abs, build those abs up into bigger bricks, then they'll be easier to see at a higher body fat percentage. So you can go either way on that where, yes, it's kind of like spot training, but you're, you're more of spot building. Exactly. And then you're at, so it's not burning more fat. You're just building more muscle. So that way it's easier to see at a higher body fat percentage. Like, for example, like let's say you had like two people that are exactly well, more or less the same size, but they have the same body fat percentage. One person is probably going to be a little bit more ripped than the other. If they build up the muscle underneath and they may be, they may be the same weight for the most part, but yeah, because of that muscle definition lying underneath, you may be able to see those abs poking out versus someone that doesn't work out a day of their life. <laughs> 
they got the big old round belly and they can't do anything about it. So right. like that's kind of going along with what Brett said about how you have to build underneath it where again, like for me personally, like I still got the abs. I've had them for like a while, but like I definitely could see the difference between um, four years ago when I was at like, I don't know, 8% body fat. And then now where I'm at like 17% body fat. So like there's a huge difference comparing to, to um, size and muscle definition between the two. So you could always right. keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. What else you want to get into? I feel like that we could go a lot of different places with that. I know. I'm trying to think. Um, let's go with, well, since we're talking about fat, we should talk about how you keep the aerobic intensity low. That's probably one of the worst myths ever. Um, okay. Well, technically, it's not a myth, but it's <laughs> it's science that no one wants to get into, so it's a myth for the average person. So. So I'll, I'll explain what the myth is first. So the myth is that you should keep your aerobic intensity low in order to burn more fat. And there technically is sound science behind that because it actually is true. Um, what that means is so when you're doing exercise, you should be doing long runs for at a slower pace all the time when you want to lose weight. And that's basically the, the, the um, basically what the solution to that is, is basically doing cardio all the time and no weightlifting, no high intensity workouts, just cardio. And that's the way, mm-hmm. that's the best way to lose weight. And by technicality, that is true. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but here, here's the, here's the science behind it. So your body, when you are in a more, so I would say 90% of the time when your body's burning fat, it is burning fat by doing nothing because your body uses two different energy systems. There's the fat burning energy system and there's the, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's the higher intensity um, energy system that is used for short duration, quick, powerful movements um, for shorter duration amount of time. Now the fat burning uh, uh, system is probably one of the more efficient ones because it can be held again during a longer period of time. It doesn't require much work. So that's why when you do cardio, you tend to, burn more calories or not burn more calories but you burn calories burn fat during car i'm gonna let brett take over so i'm just <laughs> i can't get it out so i'm gonna let you do it real quick no i was so just to kind of piggyback off what you're going on here um you have obviously two different types of storage you have uh built up glycogen in your muscles that are for quick bursts of energy and then once that's gone depending on your training that it, it can be restored really quickly, which is why when you're doing explosive type strength training, you do heavier weight, lower reps, and then you rest for a long time so that you can refill those storages quickly. Or you can do a longer, more drawn out type of exercise, and that's going to tap into your fat storages because your glycogen is now depleted and it can't replenish that energy fast enough. So fat has more calories per gram so a gram of carbs has four and a gram of fat has nine so it's more efficient to burn that one gram of fat because then you get nine grams of calories which calories are energy so you're getting nine from there to replenish that um, ATP so the long runs and your I guess, long endurance type workouts, whether it's like bike riding, whatever, tap into that fat storage faster because those glycogens are already burned. So if you're running a marathon, just to make it a little bit more clear, maybe the first 
500 yards, you're burning that glycogen. Then you're going to tap into your fat storages. So yes, there is truth to it, but on the flip side of that, if you look at something like weight training, you're going to be burning energy longer. Because once, once you're done doing your activity, then you tap back into replenishing the glycogen and then you go back to um, building those storages up and you're done doing all that fat tapping and all that stuff. But with weightlifting, when you're done weightlifting, your body's still building and trying to recover from that resistance training. And you actually end up burning more calories post-workout than you do after something that's a little bit lower intensity. Exactly. It's like the, it's when like you were better at explaining the science, but that's where I got stuck. I was trying to use science and I'm like, <laughs> I don't explain science well. Um, but I know with the, um, the higher intensity workouts, that's more my area of expertise. And that's where, it, like you said, post-workout, like not during the workout, you don't really burn that many calories during the workout. It's the post-workout where you get the mm -hmm. majority of your calories burned. And that doesn't always apply to strictly just weightlifting. You can get that from sprint workouts, like any type of conditioning workout where it's yeah. higher intensity but not super long. Like you can go for a run and like a jog and you could do that. I mean, if you're in shape, you could do that for a long time, but try keeping up a sprint for more than, I don't know, a hundred meters, 200 meters, depending on what type of athlete you are, keeping up a sprint for that distance is next to impossible. You're going right? to hit a wall so, eventually. Yeah. Oh, it's, oh my God. As, as, <laughs> as a track athlete, that wall, oh no, like traumatizing. <laughs> it's traumatizing. So, like it's going back into that mindset of like high intensity workouts, they tax your body and they tax, like you said, they burn out that glycogen and you, your body's trying your its best to restore that glycogen. But because you're taxing the body so hard, it's going to take longer for it to um, build up that glycogen again. And because of that, it's going to be burning fat. And as the day goes on, your body's still trying to accumulate the glycogen and it's still be burning fat as the primary source up until you get that glycogen storage back. And then the body goes back to that fat burning stage. So in reality, mm -hmm. again, you're burning more calories in, a, I would say within a 24 hour period, you are burning more calories doing a higher intensity workout for maybe like 30 to 45 minutes versus running for an hour to two hours or however long yeah. some people run or do endurance workouts. So that's where the, um, the myth came into play because I think, honestly, I think the myth came from looking at athletes and when you look at um, like the distance runners or like endurance athletes, Typically, they're smaller, thinner um, stature versus um, power athletes were typically a lot bigger, a lot stronger, mm -hmm. um, especially when yeah. you look at football. Like football by itself is dumb because a lot of the guys, I mean, Grant, they're all strong. They're all muscle. But if you look at an old lineman, they're all pretty hefty on the side, too. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're looking at that type of training, like, yes, it may not look like shorter duration workouts are doing more work, but you are actually doing way more working on the long-term scale in terms of 24 hours of burning calories versus cardio workouts. Right. Let's do, uh, let's do one more and then let's get into some of the uh, social media questions. Okay. Sounds good. And I, I know um, a few more listed here, but uh, let's do one more and then we'll get into that. Okay. Sounds good. Let's see which one I think it would apply best. Um, let me skip that one. We've talked, the thing is, we talked a lot about a couple of them, so we can actually power suit through them pretty quick for the most part. Like for the whole stretching before you work out, we talked about that one. We talked about um, that. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to know about that one, go to our stretching, um, 
podcast with Christine with the yoga one. Uh, go to yep. that if you want to know the answer to that. Uh, when it comes to exercise machines, beats free weights, it doesn't. It's just a different type of um, workout. It's just different types of goals will apply to either machine. So, again, we talked about that before. I don't know which podcast, mm-hmm. but it's probably <laughs> been talked about about multiple podcasts. So just the yeah. earlier you go, the more likely you'll find the answer. Um, I would say the, probably the best one is probably just no pain, no gain. Or, I mean, what do you have in mind between men and women exercises? Like, that would, there is no such thing, right? No, there's, everything applies to everybody. It's, there's, I mean, okay. So, exercise is universal, yes. But women do want to target different muscle groups than men. But there's, there's still the same principles that apply. A man is doing squats to get his legs stronger so he can squat more, jump higher, whatever his goal is. Say a woman wants to build her butt. Like we said, do squats. Don't do any of that weird shit you see on Instagram. So if you want to build your chest, do bench press. There, there is no, these are exercises for men and these are exercises for women. If you want to get strong, build muscles, do those compound lifts or for men, also do those lighter exercises, higher reps, lower weight. There is no gender divide in workouts. Yeah, but say it really it all it really all comes down to what does your body need for the goal that you're trying to accomplish. Like if you have a man and a woman have the same exact goal, sure their workouts might look a little bit different based on their history, their um their backgrounds, their body type, their anatomy, like something might have to change because of that. But in reality, there's no such thing as men only specific workouts or mm-hmm. women only specific workouts. Now it all comes down to social, um, social norms. Like I know if I walked into a, um, a bar class or a Pilates class, I'm <laughs> probably going to get a couple strange looks, but there's nothing stopped me from coming in. Like I'm allowed, not that I don't want to say I'm allowed, but like, I can do the workout. It's nothing that's going to hurt. You're going to burn calories. Yeah. Like and, that's... and if getting lean is your goal, then you're closer to your goal. It's not like you walk into that bar class and it's like, Oh, actually you're a man and you can't burn calories here. Yeah. But this, this is the no difference. <laughs> well, so this isn't the, I don't know what year it is where men and women are very sec, but not segregated, but like very, I don't know I don't, what the word the is. The 50s. I don't know. Yeah. Probably, any, really any time period. Really, it's still kind of <laughs> bad, but, um, but yes, like that. You don't you don't want that. I mean, the, I would say the best example for like quote unquote men's versus women's exercises, like for guys, um, for guys mostly see that for women's exercises, those hip abduction or adduction machines, like most guys will avoid that like the plague unless they don't care. Um, I do. And that, I, I, think I mean, I great, know a great yeah. warm up for squats. Oh, no, I definitely do them, too. But I know some guys just refuse to do like I feel like you've been in fitness long enough, you'll do them. But if you're kind of new to fitness or you're kind of very ego um, centric, then, yeah, you you don't do them. Um, Especially I would say this- if you've okay. only heard them called good girl, bad girls, then that makes you not want to do them. I've never heard of that at all. But that would explain so much, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they I've I guess it's pretty common to hear them called that. And. If you're a guy and hearing that, I know that's a little bit of a, who maybe I should stay away, but they are great for warming up or even building those muscles to help stabilize you in a squat. You do those, do four sets of 12 
of those before your next set of squats and your hips will feel so much more secure. It's insane. Yeah, definitely. I would say listen to Jenna uh, Hodges, um, women, a podcast episode with Alfred Kwan. He actually talks about why you should definitely do those muscle groups in order to support the knee. And, um, it works. It applies to both men and women, but definitely listen to that episode for that. Um, another exercise for regarding for women in terms of what that they avoid, like the plague is really almost okay. In my experience, again, this is my experience. What I've seen, they typically avoid upper body exercises, especially the bench press or any type of pressing motion when they're on their back and pressing upwards. Um, based on the clientele I used to have or women that I was interacting with in the gym, most of them avoided that because it was typically seen as a guy's exercise for the most mm-hmm. part. So yeah. again, that was just in what I've seen. So don't don't get mad at me because I said <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well let's uh let let's jump into some of these social media questions. You do you have the Facebook ones up? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. So we got two questions or yeah, two questions. So first one is from Sergio Leone. Um, he is so I think these two questions are both dodgeball oriented. Um, so his question is, is it possible to consume too much pre-workout, for example, C4 throughout a tournament? <laughs> so I'm gonna let you uh, roll in first with this one. I will say that definitely C4. Uh, I'm not a C4 advocate. C4 may f- feel like it has the most bang for its buck, but it really doesn't. Um, it's caffeine levels aren't as high as a lot of other pre-workouts and it has a lot of your beta alanine, your niacin, things that really aren't going to be as beneficial to dodgeball gameplay. Um, I would switch to a, a different pre-workout if I was you for one, uh, two, there is a limit on how much you should be taking the, the uh, LD50 on caffeine is pretty high, but if you've built up a tolerance and say you're usually taking, you know, kind of someone like me that takes over a thousand milligrams of caffeine a day, your tolerance is a little bit higher than somebody, you know, that can't sleep after drinking a cup of coffee in the morning. So depending on your tolerance, yes, there is still a limit um, to how much you should take. I would not suggest taking more than, geez, four. I think I think C four has got around two hundred milligrams in it. So I would space out at max for a day at around four or five scoops, and that's for me personally. If you react poorly to to caffeine, then I would say closer to two or three. Yeah, and I I would say the disclaimer, like if you have or at risk any cardiac issues or um any other health issues would not recommend doing it i also wouldn't recommend a newbie do it either because again like everything you just talked about you don't have the tolerance for it you it's going to hinder your performance like i'm not gonna say it's gonna make you super jittery or over the hype but it can actually it can actually slow you down if you consume too much um caffeine because it just forces your body to go into overdrive and at that point you're processing way too much information at once and it's just it's gonna do more harm than good and it'll affect your body in a negative way so don't don't just jump into it like i know for the first time when i had uh free workout i, I did at the um the 2018 combine and i took like two scoops and it was it, I mean, it was a blast because that was the first <laughs> time i had free workout but I know for me, like whenever I take energy drinks, I get really jittery at first. And then it takes a while for me to kind of like um, stop shaking initially. Yeah. So 
Um, but not everyone's going to have that type of reaction. So it's, it can help or hurt you depending on how you work, how your body processes that amount of mm-hmm. caffeine. So just don't be dumb. Just, <laughs> yeah. I would say you do like half a scoop and then like do another half scoop, like every two hours or so. And that way you got to be set for the whole day. And that way you probably won't even get to four scoops by the yeah. end of the day, depending on how much, how your body's processing. Yeah. Someone like me, I, I space out two scoops throughout the day. Uh, I usually do half a scoop in the morning. I'll take a half a scoop before bracket play for this is when I'm playing two different divisions. So before open, um, before open round robin, before open bracket play. And then depending on how long our break is and how I'm feeling, I might take a half a scoop before pinch round robin, but then I'll take my last half scoop before pinch bracket play. One I don't want to be too scatterbrained where I'm like freaking out and looking left and right side of the court and can't focus on anything. And two, I don't want to get too much uh, L-citrulline in my body or some of the other compounds that are in pre-workouts that cause um, more of a pump agent response where if your forearm, you know, if you get too much blood in there, it's, it's going to start to hurt more when you're trying to pinch the ball or grip the ball. So I don't want to get to that point. Uh, I want to just make sure I'm, I'm focused and have a lot of energy. Exactly. And I would say it also like as a kind of a public service, like don't think of pre-workout as like a steroid or instant steroid where it's going <laughs> to solve all your problems. Cause I know I definitely thought of it as that when I first heard about it. Um, it's just, it's kind of basically like super coffee. Basically all it does got to make you a little bit more alert. It'll make you more wide awake. It'll get you ready to go. All it yep. does, it's a stim. It's basically just a stimulus. So basically, it's just preparing your body in a, just a different way versus mm-hmm. you warming up versus you mentally preparing yourself. All it does is just physiologically warm your body up and get you ready to go. So it's not going to like, I don't know, supercharge your dodgeball skill. It's not going to make you catch everything in the world. Like it might do it for one game, but it may not do it for every single game. So don't think of it as that. I don't know that. I don't know. Supercharged. Yeah. You're, you're not going to slow down time and suddenly start being able to catch everything i mean if you could (laughs) that'd be the best product ever but no what else you got Um, from facebook uh the other our last one from facebook is from steve damon uh shout out to steve um he asked if i burned a thousand podcast yeah no so many shout outs um but uh he asked if i burned a thousand calories playing dodgeball does that mean i could eat a thousand calories of whatever i want no why not so the, <laughs> i was like thinking about this answered question. his own question <laughs> i know right like i was thinking about this question there's a lot of like like it depends to this question because that's most of fitness though yeah i know that's why i hate this question but i also <laughs> love it at the same time because i ask myself this all the time so uh, i'll look at it from a couple of different ways so it really depends on whatever you want because like if you said like oh if i eat like a thousand calories of cake Obviously, no, you can't do that, and it's not going to do anything for you. But if you were to take like a balanced meal of a thousand calories, then yeah, I would say it's not going to hurt you. It's all it does is just replaces all the calories you burn, so it evens out your calorie, um, not deficit, but not surplus. Use your calorie intake. Thank you, maintenance. Couldn't figure out the word. <laughs> um, it'll just maintain your calorie maintenance. Now, then there's a the third part of it where it comes down to what is your goal? If you're looking to gain weight. Yeah then yes, you definitely want to do that because that way you can still eat more 
And basically, it's just replacing all the calories you burned, so that way you can still eat more later and be in that calorie surplus. But if you're looking to, um, what's it called, lose weight, then obviously you don't want to do that because only all it does makes it harder for you to be in that calorie deficit. Um, so again, there's like a lot of ifs, ands, and maybes for this question. Um, but I would say like after a tournament, you're definitely going to want to eat more than you're probably used to because at dodgeball, we burn a ton of calories, especially if you're going to an elite tournament or a USA tournament where we're telling for 12 hours a day. You're probably going to want to be eating more on that uh, like heftier side because you're still replacing everything you need. It's going to repair your body quicker than you versus you trying to eat only a little bit and drink all night. So <laughs> especially if you're going to a dodgeball tournament, you're probably going to eat a lot anyway to make sure you don't die the next morning from drinking at the after party. So I would say, yes, Steve, if you want to go all go balls to wall, eat as much as you can and have a blast. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's depending on your goals, Steve. Yes or no. Um, <laughs> also, make sure that it's it's the right food, because it, if it's all just carbs then once your glycogen stores are full and you start to go over then it gets start it's going to start being stored as fat where as if it's a combination of carbs and proteins once your uh, glycogen storages start to be fill up then your body can advocate those protein um those i guess just protein to repairing those muscles that you just broke down Exactly. All right. All right. We I have I got two questions here on Instagram, uh, both from Zach, aka Dodgeball and Deadlifts. What up, Zach? <laughs> Shout out to Zach. His his first question is really more of a statement that the idea that anything besides calorie balance controls weight loss or weight gain, and it it really is just a simple math problem. If you take in less calories than you burn. Uh, I just confused myself. Take in less calories than you burn, <laughs> you're going to lose weight. So your body needs to tap into those other energy storages, i.e. your fat, burn that, so that way you're going to start to lose weight. Or if you're consuming more than you're burning, your body's going to store that fuel for later because your body is a surviving machine. And it doesn't know what might happen. You might, like, I, the evolution of humans, maybe hunters were successful one week, but then herds migrated on and there wasn't anything to eat for a week or two. Luckily, you stored that fat. Um, I don't know if you have anything to throw on top of there. No, because I think we already, we already pretty much yeah. talked about it. So it's just, you listen then, to the podcast and you know the answer. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, um, the myth that your knees over your toes is bad when you're squatting or that benching slash overhead lifting for throwers is bad. Okay. So I know I've heard about the first one and the problem is, so in most, like I would say 90% of the textbooks of training, of whether in training or sports conditioning or really any type of fitness textbook it's going to tell you knees over the toes is bad and i would say i would say because i don't know the science behind it but i believe it's because of the amount of pressure you put around the knee it depends on how you um generate 
power. So like when most, I would say for most beginners, because they don't know what they're doing, um, when they when they place their knees over their toes, they're putting so much pressure around the knee because they're trying to force the quad to work in a way they're not used to. So instead of utilizing their glutes, they're pushing with their with their quads. Mm-hmm. And that puts so much pressure around the knees and that can actually do some damage. So I think that's the main reason for the yeah. whole knees over the toes argument. Now, if you look at um, either Olympic lifters or CrossFit lifts, when you look at how they're doing it, especially when they're going for either a snatch or any type of low squat, you could definitely see their knees are over their toes. But that's because mm-hmm. they're using proper mechanics to utilize the correct muscles versus just pushing down without really any thought to it and generating so much force around the knees. So I think that's the main reason for that argument. Yeah, that's I, I think you nailed it. I think 98% of why that myth is around is for people that do not know how to load weight correctly to muscles. So like you said, if your knees go over your toes and you don't know what you're doing in a squat, that means your shoulders are too far forward and you're going to be leaning forward, good chance of getting hurt. Also, like you said, with uh, all that pressure going to your knees, good way to blow out a knee. And if once you know how to load correctly, where you do utilize your whole leg, even your calves, going your knees over your toes is not a bad thing. It's actually... I would say anatomically correct. Yeah, it's actually beneficial. When you have that mobility in your ankles for your knees to come forward and you can sit into that weight correctly, it's actually good. So definitely work up to it. If you're just getting started, I would use it more as a guideline to see if if your knees are floating past your toes, feel where your weight is on your foot. Is it on your toes or on your heels? If it's on your toes, probably not a good idea because you're falling forward at that point and you're not utilizing your hips at all. Yeah, I would say the only exercise that this argument doesn't exactly apply to would be lunges because typically, and from what I've seen, whenever that happens, their foot is not far enough forward, so they're not generating the right amount of power anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's also because if they're taking too small of a step, so that knee just shot forward like a mm-hmm. mile over the knee so or a mile over the toe. So I would say like lunges are the only exception to this rule because if you're doing it correctly, you should have the foot further out forward so the knee shouldn't get that far forward anyway. Right. And uh, when I think lunges, I, f- I try to focus more on driving my back knee into the ground, not yep. shifting my weight up onto my front foot. So exactly. it, it, it's hitting the right muscle group that you're intending too yeah i usually tell people just get 90 degrees in the front knee 90 degrees in the back knee and that's like the ideal position right there yeah and then actually for no benching or overhead lifting for throwers i've never actually heard that so i don't know if it's something you've heard or not i want to say i have but i think that's because um i'm trying to remember the reason why i think it was something to do with how throwing it doesn't really like when you think about it from a mechanical sense, like throwing doesn't follow the movements of benching. But when you think about the mm-hmm. musculature of throwing, it's a lot of chest. So yeah. I think the argument is going for more like dumbbell bench press or like more unilateral movements versus just doing heavy, heavy deadlift or benches and trying mm-hmm. to apply that like strength to throwing aspect. So I think it's more of like a goal aspect versus like a mechanical aspect. 
Yeah, I, I think it's it could also be misconstrued as getting that muscle tighter so that you don't have, like we talked about, the mobility in your shoulder. So if obviously you want to get stronger, you want to support that joint. But if you're going to be doing a lot more strength training and you're not following it up with stretches, mobility work to make sure that you're good in all planes, then you're going to be tight. You're going to be throwing weird and it could throw off your whole throw mechanics. Like you were saying, like if, if you are benching overhead pressing, I, I, I don't see a scenario where that's bad. You, you do want to get stronger um, around joints and throughout the motion of throwing, but you don't want to get to the point where your, your chest and pecs are so tight that your shoulders are rounding forward. You can't reach back far. Um, and your different arm slots aren't as supported. No, I definitely agree with that. I would say Zach, if you know where you get that information from, let us know. We'll, we'll look into it and then we'll come up with a better answer. Cause Neither one of us have heard of that myth before. Like, I think I briefly heard of it, but again, it's been a it's been a long time if I have heard of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, give us if you know where there's an article, let us know. We'll definitely look into it, give it more definite yeah. answer. Yeah, and I know I know Zach's into powerlifting and more of the strength training. So I don't know if that's something that he's heard um, in those circles, but mm. definitely it's not something I see as creating an issue unless it's what we talked about exactly cool man that's all i got for instagram yeah that's all i got for facebook so thank you everybody cool. for all your questions yeah um that that even though we didn't touch on all of them i feel like we got some good information out there and oh, yeah. everybody for sure let us know what you think make sure you are following us on instagram facebook twitter checking out the website we do have some big things coming for the website, Miles. I do have to talk to you about that. Or Ooh. talk to you about that. Yeah, after this. So don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure that you check on all those things out. Make sure you're showing us some love. Let us know what you want to hear. And we will see you all next week. Miles, yeah. you're good. I'm good. Just give us more topics, guys. We need more topics. We want to know what you guys want to hear. We want to talk about what you guys want to listen to. There's no point of us talking if you guys don't want to listen to it. So <laughs> let us know what gets you guys going, and we will talk about it about whatever you want. So let's go. Yeah, or suggest guests. We're always open to it. That too. But until then, we out. Peace out, guys. <laughs>